Before I get started on the Gen X Movie Show, I'd like to talk to you about Carefree Cuisine, uh, located in uh, Littleton, off of Bowles, in the Columbine Shopping Center. Um, a new place in town that will basically give you allergen-free, top eight allergen-free um, food that's frozen, ready to go from your freezer to your microwave, to your table in a convenient Readily a packaged uh, unit. Um, they are available for delivery, um, and um, uh, they are delay- available for uh, next day delivery as well. Um, they are committed to giving you uh, clean, good tasting, really good tasting food um, in a convenient package. Especially now <clears throat> with this, well, what's going on with the virus? What we need right now is convenience. What we need right now is something that's good for people. It's easy to kind of go into snacking territory and and eat really bad food when you're stuck inside. Uh, Carefree Cuisine can get you these meals, um, uh, which are right now, there's a vegan line. It'll soon be coming out with a a low-carb, high-protein line, which is something that would be good for me. Uh, In a time when you need to be able to stick to your diet or eat as healthy as possible, um, when it's that the most hard, the, you know, Carefree Cuisine makes it easy for you. Once again, they are located uh, in Littleton off of Bowles, uh, right in the Columbine Shopping Center. Uh, they, you can contact them at info at carefreecuisine.com. They are at Cuisine Carefree on Twitter, and they also have a Facebook at Carefree Cuisine. Uh, when you go in or when you contact them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. you're old enough to get your head down out of the clouds and start keeping both feet on the ground, right? Okay. This book is not for you. I know why you are all here. The nothing... Is destroying our world. Let us fight the one chance. His name is Atreyu. You would be willing to go on a quest? Of course. It will be very dangerous. But if you fail, the Empress will surely die. And our whole world will be utterly destroyed. What is up, everybody? Thank you, thank you all for joining me. This is uh, the Gen X Movie Show. Um, 
Today, obviously, you could tell from the, tra- the trailer, we're going to be talking about the movie The NeverEnding Story, which is, you may be thinking, <clears throat> that's a very odd choice, Jeff, um, and I don't blame you for having that thought. Um, this movie is among, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't normally look into or do kids' movies. There's very few that really resonated or stayed with me, and it's this one and the movie The Secret of Nim. That really kind of stayed with me. And I think kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start with this uh, movie was to kind of give you an idea of how maybe the most lasting and best children's, quote-unquote, children's movies are essentially have a touch of bleak existential, um, almost all is lost vibe to them. And this is very, 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 very much the never-ending story. A movie that is very German, um, made with many American actors, but it's very German, directed by a German, uh, very good German director, uh, Wolfgang Peterson, and written by a man by the name of of, uh, Michael End who um, was a extreme this the Nevering story was an extremely popular german um kid story and he was <clears throat> excuse me later upset that they about the way they adapted his novel um but in the long run in the grand scheme of things this this movie ended up benefiting from a combination of German existential, kind of a bleak German existential beauty, and a touch of Disney, just a touch of Disney, um, that kind of made it extremely unique among um, movies that came out in the 80s. To give you some context, Wolfgang Peterson is a hell of a director. The man has uh, just built up such a great resume of... uh, of movies. Um, he directed Das Boot, uh, which is also very German and very bleak. Um, he is, uh, extremely skilled. He directed Million Dollar Hotel. He, he is just, he's one of those guys that makes his own choices on his movies, but he's very good and very well respected. The choice to do the never ending story was for him was a unique one as this is the only quote unquote kids movie he's ever made. Um, the production of this was, it was almost, entirely a German production. And it was made for what amounted to $27 million American, which I think it was something around 60 million marks, um, German marks at the time. This is before the the euro was the common currency in uh, Germany. It was a West German movie. Uh, This was before East Germany and West Germany combined. Um, But there was such a, there was such a, emphasis on what your own mind and imagination can do to you. And it stars Barrett Oliver, who, if any of you who grew, well, I'm a 70s, I was born in the 70s, but I was, uh, you know, obviously came of age in the 80s. And if anyone remembers movies that came out in the 80s, Barrett Oliver was a prominent feature in these movies. Uh, remember the movie Daryl with Michael McKean, where he played basically a, a, a government uh, engineered cyborg kid. 
and uh, Cocoon, he was in. He was in this movie. I mean, he was in a ton. This uh, of, of movies that actually were uh, kind of all around. They were omnipresent movies. And, and if you, anyone grew up in the 80s, the movies that you would get on VHS or Beta, which, which was unfortunately my case for a while, were often bared all over movies. Uh, and then he just stopped acting in 1989 and, beca- and then became a, ma- a master of printing or something like that. Just weird kind of career arc for him. But the overall kind of approach of this movie was how sadness created lack of imagination. And that lack of imagination destroys worlds, essentially. It really is really what is the overall theme of this. Noah Hathaway plays Atreo, who is Atreyu, who really is the hero of this, and maybe maybe in a large sense the an extension of uh of uh, Bastion, who is uh, Oliver uh Barrett Oliver's character. Atreyu maybe is the mental uh ex you know idealism, idealistic how he sees himself character in this uh tale <clears throat> and it's um <laughs> the only thing i ever re- other thing i remember uh noah hathaway being in was the movie troll which uh if anyone remembers starred uh sonny bono as well who i think he turned into a plant in that uh movie but anyway um my brother met noah hathaway about three four years ago um uh at a at a, something in colorado springs and uh he says he I, he seems to get weary of people asking him about uh, the never-ending story, which, you know, look, I don't blame him. Um, it is a it is a one it is it is a, such a strange vibe. It's a strange atmosphere, and you know you're in for a different kind of movie when the horse that uh, I'm not, spoilers the horse that uh, Atreyu is uh, riding Artax gets killed within the first 15 minutes of the movie. And it just goes from there. Um, <clears throat> and it was kind of a, it was kind of, this is, this is a movie that I think people, when you look at it as you're a kid, you think, okay, this is just, this is just, you're looking at the visuals. You're looking at the various things that happen. But when you really think about this movie, a lot of horror happens in this movie Right after his horse dies, he runs into a giant turtle who doesn't care about life. Um, <laughs> uh, he meets these oracles, which one of them tries to kill him and almost succeeds. Um, the other one falls apart, basically, because of what's uh, pursuing everyone, which is called the nothing. The nothing is essentially nothing, Right. This is the thing. It's not destroying anything. It is nothing that is consuming you. It is the lack of imagination, essentially, is what it is. It's hard to visualize something like nothing on screen. Um, It's easier to do. It's kind of like an H.P. Lovecraft thing. It's easier to guess and make things up with your own mind. Um, But the, the, the way to kind of visualize it on screen was really hard, so they made it uh, like a, like a storm, essentially. Something that consumes everything, something that rips everything away, which is 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 something, not nothing. 
But I, I digress. That's neither here nor there. At this point, the, 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 the movie just kind of becomes a war of <clears throat> attrition to see where, and I'm sorry, I keep clearing my throat. Allergies have just killed me <laughs> the last, last couple of days. Um, no, it's not COVID. Um, it's just, this movie is, is kind of one of those explorations of something that can only go on in your head and as someone who whose parents divorced in the early 80s i responded to this um i responded very well to the feeling of separation and retreat um and this essentially this is what it is i mean baird oliver uh bastion ends up i don't know this is something that can only happen in a movie. He goes into the attic of this school and basically stays all night. And apparently there no one is searching for him. <laughs> Which is something I always found weird. But this movie is... <clears throat> this movie is one of those things that... It becomes a, a... More of a feeling. This movie is a feeling... And it is it is hard to describe to someone who hasn't seen this movie or doesn't experience what was going on at the time. You know, it's hard to experience to to translate a feeling. The movie has a vibe to it more than it has execution. There's a lot of silly things in the movie. A lot of the animatronics, except for with that outside of the rock biter. And um, other things like that, then maybe the oracles. The movie has a lot of kind of cheesy production, particularly Falcor, the flying dragon, the luck dragon, which is just a fan, basically a giant uh, poodle. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's hard to translate this into a a modern aesthetic. Um, some of the things, some of the effects can be really cheesy. Some of them are really good. Um, Falcor, the uh, luck dragon, is um, probably the most memorable aspect of this movie. Um, there are two sequels made that I never saw because by the time the sequels came out, I was almost a teenager, and I just you know, I had no need to see it, and I really didn't visit the Neverending Story, revisit the Neverending Story until about four or five years ago when I was like, oh, I remember that movie. I kind of want to see it. And I watched it, and I realized the fucking horse dies within the <laughs> within the first twenty minutes of the movie, and I'm like, man, this is messed up. <clears throat> and you don't, you don't, you're, when you're a kid, you don't, you're not cognizant of it. It's the adventure of the movie, and you don't really realize how bleak the book, the uh, movie is. Now, the book, apparently, and like I said, I haven't read the book. Um, apparently the movie is based on only the first half of the book. And I can't even imagine, I mean, apparently the number two is based on, uh, the second half of the book. Honestly, I can't, I can't really imagine how, because that seemed like a full story. I can't even imagine how you would make it two parts of this thing, you know? <clears throat> it's very, the movie is very complete by itself. You know, and when it was released, actually, it didn't make a ton of money in the United States, but it managed to become one of those movies that kind of made money over time. So it, it 
technically the box office, including foreign and domestic, is $100 million. Um, and it was played all the time on television in the 80s. Um, in, in a shortened fashion, when they used to cut down movies, like they would chop, like, randomly chop, like, 15 minutes out of a movie, and there would be, like, giant missing scenes. Well, that's, <laughs> you would see it on, like, in Denver, you'd see it on Channel 2. They'd play it on Channel 2 and um, at night, and the movie would be dramatically shorter, and you would be wondering why giant scenes are missing from the movie, and, like, wondering if, like, you missed a part. Well, that's that's what happened. They used to do that. <clears throat> they used to... This whole adventure, this whole adventure on this movie became much more over time as Gen X kids like me. Uh, and I'm a, <clears throat> let's see, I was born in 19, late 70s, 1978, I was born. So Gen X basically ends at 1982. So four years before people become millennials. And millennials largely don't think of this movie. This is a very, very specific movie, and particularly specific to people my age. Um, Barrett Oliver is uh, my bro- older brother's na- uh, age. Uh, so is Noah Hathaway. They're roughly are all around the same age. The, the girl who played the princess is roughly that age, too. <clears throat> You're talking about mid-70s to late-70s people who are in this movie, cast around this movie, and have become, you know representative of a certain thing. Um, I, my, my looking at this movie and looking at the way that it came down makes me appreciate in a large, large extent makes me appreciate the way we used to do movies in the eighties, which was no big blocks of cheese, add in a dash of cold war, add in some, you know, like I said, this movie is very German and it was a German production that was made in, that was, distributed in America with American actors. Um, but this was an almost entirely a German film that was done in English. Uh, had a bunch of German actors, but there was a like majority of actors in this thing were um, American. And it was made for the purpose of distributing in America, but it was a German thing. And it has that perspective. It is a very, very German movie. And maybe that is why it didn't do... Maybe people were wanting Disney at the time. In a large sense, in a large sense, it became bigger than it was at the time it was released. Uh, I remember loving it when I was a kid. Uh, it came out when I was six or seven. I remember really enjoying it. <clears throat> See, it came out in 1984, I think. Yep. And I remember loving it as a kid... But I also remember I remember it sticking with me in a way that other kids' movies didn't. Another movie I liked at that time was Flight of the Navigator, um, and that had a little bit of, of the. It was very American. Uh, it was also this. I associate always associate this movie with Cloak and Dagger, which is another thing you got to understand. With me, my parents, my parents' divorce probably affected me more than anything um, I've experienced in my life, and I think that. Viewing it through that lens, I'm going to respond to movies that uh, are symbolic of separation, familial separation. And there's definitely, this is a part of that ovure. Um, and it's, it's still, to me, a very wonderful, very beautiful movie, even though it's very cheesy. I mean, I think two things can happen at the same time. And if you're ever going to show someone this movie, particularly a kid, I mean, just understand... <laughs> What's going on? 
understand that, you know, obviously there's a, there's a horse that dies, there's all this going on at the same time. In the grand scheme of things, this is, to me, and like I said, I, I, I only watched it recently again in the last five years. It's very symbolic of what was good about 80s kids movies. And I think that if you look at it, if you look at the way this was done, and, uh, and like I said, the production values on it for the time were made at 60 million marks, $27 million in uh, U.S. money was a lot of money back in 1983, 84. That was a lot of money. Most of it went into animatronics and effects and set setup, and it definitely creates its own world. So... Once again, never-ending story. I, I'm not going to grade this or give it any stars. I'm just going to give you the background on it, and uh, hopefully you all will go out and see it, um, if you haven't, because it's 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 definitely one of the better movies I have seen um, that covers sensitive subjects but also gives you kind of that kid's lilt to it. So, anyway, thank you all for joining me. I'll be talking to you soon. Goodbye.